Hey, hey, we're your hosts. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Jonathan. And we believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give to yourself is the gift of wholeness through integrating all aspects of what it means to be human. And in this podcast, we're bringing you insight, information, and inspiration to move from a stressful to stress-free life. Your journey to becoming even healthier and happier starts right now. Welcome to Wellness Theory, the podcast. So welcome to today's show, everyone, and we are super excited to be introducing you to Carolina, who is a certified alcohol-free life coach who helps powerful women make alcohol insignificant in their lives. She's worked with thousands of clients throughout her online courses and coaching to change their drinking habit and unleash a new level of health happiness, and potential to go after their biggest dreams. She's the host of Euphoric, the podcast, founder of Euphoric Alcohol Free, and her work has been featured in the Huffington Post, Authority Magazine, Greatest, and Elite Daily. Caroline is passionate about helping you discover what really makes you happy outside of a beverage and design a life you love. So welcome to the show today, Carolina. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for the warm introduction and welcome. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh. so excited to have you now this is going to be such a cool podcast because I think you're, you're the first person that um, to come yeah. on the podcast and talk specifically around alcohol um and I think it's just so relevant because well for obvious reasons I think but a lot of our audience usually are, are stressed out they're anxious they're overwhelmed some of them even experiencing the the, the physical repercussions and pain of, of stress as well in their body so alcohol is always one of those starting points where, where people kind of almost used to, to to escape sometimes you're still almost numb how they're feeling so I know that everybody including us can relate to some of the things you're going to be chatting about so before we jump into that I'd love for you to maybe just give us a bit of a background on you and your journey and why it is you're doing what you do yes thank you so much for asking and I think this is a really cool topic because alcohol is like a funny thing in our society we, we hardly really talk about it honestly we talk about maybe planning uh you know a drinking occasion or event with our friends Or we talk about it when it gets really, really bad and someone has a problem. And then we use words like alcoholism and AA and recovery, really kind of leaving everyone else in the middle without conversation and language to really describe this phenomenon. And so that's kind of where I found myself a few years ago. You know, I I went to college and grad school and I picked up some very, very deep drinking habits there and I partied really hard. And that was kind of the norm for me, but also really kind of everyone else, I think, at that age. But as I got older into my mid and late 20s, I really tried to become a healthier version of myself. Um, I really got into, you know, eating more plant-based, eating more vegetables every day, uh, working out, uh, meditating, doing yoga. And so I thought of myself as this healthy, mindful person who Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday was doing all the right things. And then drinking still came to my, to my, to be my sidekick every single weekend. And I'd basically, you know, very normal drinking occasions, but maybe going out uh, for a game night, sushi night, dinner party, wedding, you know, whatever, or even having some wine at home, watching some movies and stuff like that became really my norm. And I was in this cycle and this pattern for so many years. And I remember every Monday morning waking up just feeling so out of it, so tired, so exhausted, and also so depressed and just shamed. Like, everything I did that was healthy during the week before was like washed away by the weekend, you know, and I woke up feeling like I was now five steps backwards. And so then on Monday morning, I would resolve to do better. I'd be like, let's get back on the train. Let's get back on this healthy horse. 
And I would make some progress, recover slowly throughout the week, make progress, feel better, feel really productive. And then Friday, it was time to celebrate again, right? I was just living this cycle over and over and over again. And you don't know how much headspace it took over for me. I was constantly thinking about alcohol and not in the way that you envision someone who has a really severe problem, but more so of like, well, will I drink tonight? You know, I have a presentation tomorrow. I probably shouldn't, but maybe I should just have one, but won't they think it's weird if I don't have one? You know, this constant kind of weird uh, mental rumination and internal turmoil I had around it. And because I was already finding myself so entrenched in the wellness space and, and really health and reading a lot of books, it also was starting to become really incongruous with my values. So, you know, drinking when I was in college, like, it almost didn't matter to me. I didn't really have any healthy coping mechanisms or values at that point. So it was kind of the lifestyle I had and was fine with it. But as I was getting healthier and more mindful, it was really this glaring like red flag in my life. Like everything else felt very holistic. And then this was the one thing that stole me away from a healthy morning routine or working out or eating very well. And it just was not allowing me to live, you know, with the integrity of who I wanted to be, but I didn't really see a way out of it because all of these drinking occasions in my life were so this normalized part of our culture. And I really believed that someone who didn't drink at those those events and who didn't drink at at all in their life uh, was someone who had a massive problem with alcohol and adopted the label of alcoholic and, you know, really had this condition that they had for the rest of their lives. I, I literally didn't see any other examples in front of me. And I, I didn't, I didn't want to go there. I mean, one, my drinking habit was a lot more, you know, in that kind of gray, you know, definitely complicated, but, you know, definitely that gray middle. But you know what? With all the research I've done for my new book, most people that drink are in that territory, right? Most people over drink or drink above the health guidelines because the health guidelines are really, really low. <laughs> and so finding myself there, you know, and kind of getting finally just really sick of this, this mental gymnastics, this games I was playing with myself, I decided to take a break from alcohol. And it really came from hearing about dry January. Uh, dry January is like a public health campaign. A lot of people like to take the month of January off to reset, feel better, get incorporate more healthy habits. And to me, it was like the excuse I needed. Like it was like, I can take a break and I don't have to explain myself to people. You know, I can just do this. It's a thing. People are doing it. And so I take that month off alcohol. And it's like the first time, seriously, since I'm 18 that I've gone without a week of drinking because every weekend it was the same thing. And I have an incredible month, you know, like I'm sleeping so deeply. I'm waking up every morning feeling refreshed. I'm spending more time in my night journaling and reading routine. I'm never buzzed. I'm never like recuperating from the night before. And I'm also really enjoying my time in these more holistic ways. I'm, I'm hiking more. I'm playing more board games with my husband. I'm just really enjoying presence and mindfulness. And when February came around, I honestly still didn't believe I was allowed to keep going. It was like, well, normal adults drink. If you want to be labeled normal, you have to drink. And so I went back to it for a few occasions and I didn't even necessarily have that much to drink, but it was just jarring what a contrast it was for me. Even one or two drinks completely ruined my sleep. And what was really noticeable for me is that I was so happy when I wasn't drinking. I had this, almost this, this, this wonder and presence of a child. I was really appreciative, just really like kind of an awe in the world. And I'd have one or two drinks and my mood would just go down really fast. I would turn exhausted, frustrated, cranky even. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was the turning point for me. Drinking actually sucks. (laughs) And and I I really needed that contrast to see it that way. 
But uh, I decided to take another break at that point. And from that break is really where I am four years later now. And from that moment on, you know, everything in my life just exploded in the best possible way. My health drastically improved. And I felt like my wellness was this upward spiral instead of always being stopped by alcohol. I felt my, um, my cholesterol, for example, dropped by 51 points. Um, I'm happy to share kind of some of those benefits that happen as well for other people. Um, but I also started to really regain other deeper, more profound things about myself, like my self-worth, my self-love. And lastly, I really got the confidence that I was really severely lacking before to do something different with my life. And I got the confidence to launch a business, to write a book. I wrote the first draft of my book within that first year and really start doing like pushing the envelope of what's possible for me. And from there on, it's just completely changed my identity. Um, and I love to share this message because to me, it's like a gift. You know, we think of alcohol and, and things like saying no means you're boring or you're a prohibitionist or something like that. But I'm like, if only you could try this break from alcohol, you're, you're going to be so amazed at what you discover. Um, and that's really just my intention is to bring awareness to it and give people options, you know, like give people options to be able to experiment with their own relationship with alcohol and discover what really feels best for them. I love everything you've just shared there. Like, it's, it's just so it's, many things just want to pull out. It's, it's so relatable. So go on. Go on, do you want to go? Yeah, it's, oh, man, like just that, what you said about obviously um, kind of people's perception around alcohol being socially accepted. Um, like my, for example, my, my dad um, is a huge drinker. He used to be an alcoholic, um, not anymore, but he still drinks a lot. Like his thing is, uh, if you're not drinking, you're boring. And that's why he used to tell me all the time, have a drink. And I, I'm not a big drinker. I've never had been at all. Um, and because I back in that, I was very, very stubborn. So if anyone chose to say, oh, stop being boring, have a drink, that would force me to go the opposite way. And I would go, well, no, I'm not drinking at all now. Um, and then when I chose to drink, uh, made the decision to drink, I went all out. I went crazy. Um, and it would take me like two weeks to recover. Um, but it's that, it's that perception of... Like if you're not drinking, have a drink because if you're not drinking, you're boring. Uh, have a bit of fun. I said you don't need alcohol to have fun. You don't need alcohol to to be in a social situation. And I just remember being around that all the time. Of any time, if it was going out for dinner, if it was going out just generally, or just um, in a in a family environment, it was always oh have a glass of wine or have a beer, and it was one after the other and when one went to two went to three went to four went to five and then all of a sudden before you know it, everyone around you is drinking about six bottles of wine and you go how, how did you do that <laughs> it's like what and 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 you ask the question how do you function but then you realize you, they don't they're literally just floating by on autopilot and their brain is just not working optimally it's this year in a state of like it's screaming out, it going, I need, I need rest. I need, I need recovery time. I need a break. Um, but so many people live in that state daily where they have I only have two drinks a night. That's a lot over a week. I said, that's a lot. Like that's a lot of toxicity you're putting into your body. And that is definitely going to affect how you think, how you feel, how you show up, um, how you think about yourself, how you feel about yourself, as well as people around you, how triggered you get by anything that happens. Um, and it just, it, it does surprise, it doesn't surprise me, but it does worry me how socially accepted it is with everything else, um, other drugs being classed as, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do drugs. 
that when people drink, you're doing drugs because it is a drug. It's a very potent drug. We can get so hooked on it and we can be reliant on it. Um, and I'm quite, I'm quite lucky and grateful in the sense that I wasn't really a big drinker. Um, and I, it's never, cause I know that exactly what you said, you have a couple of drinks and you just feel the effects. I have like, I like my, my vice is whiskey. I like a good, a good quality whiskey, but I will have it once every six months. Um, if I'm lucky. And even when I have one, I notice the difference mentally and physically the next day. Um, but I make that choice where I know how I'm going to feel, but I know how to bring myself out of it as well. And I think that's the key is if, if you do want that balance and you do like a drink now and again, is knowing, okay, how you're going to feel, but also how you can bring yourself back to that resourceful state again. Um, and the problem comes when you have no awareness of, of that and you just think, oh, I feel rubbish today. I don't feel great. I had a stressful day at work. You know, open a bottle of wine. That's going to make me feel better. Yeah, for, for that short period, it will. But internally, there's a lot of damage going on um, from a psychological and an emotional perspective as well from that alcohol. So I think for me, just seeing that was a kind of a wake-up call from the people around me for me not to want to go down that route, um, which I know it does have the opposite effect on some people. They kind of get hooked into that environment and they and they kind of want to be part of the group. They want to be that was me. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> they want to be part of the group, and you know, I want to fit in. So I'm going to give me a drink. Yeah, like for, for me, like my relationship with alcohol, and it's a funny one because it's only sort of been in recent years where I've really kind of thought about it. A bit like you when you was kind of in your party days. I, I travelled and backpacked a bit, and I and that was kind of my time to you know let loose and do all of those things. And alcohol was a big part of that. Um, and I realised when I, I came back from travelling how much weight I put on um, where I was just didn't feel right for a number of different reasons of like, once you've traveled and seen things, you come back to your hometown, it's all very different. Right. But then it was interesting because I then continued to drink and a little bit like Jonathan, like my family environment is heavily um, into alcohol um, like socially. And so it's like every, every night it's like, do, do you want a glass of wine? Like, why are you not having a glass of wine? And it's like all of this. And even when I was growing up, right probably shouldn't say this but like uh, but my my mom was the one that would be like that mom that doesn't mind the kids drinking when they're not old enough to drink um and would actually get us alcohol so my house was the place where me and my friends would hang out and it was almost like the the point of which everybody could come and experience whatever it is they they wanted to when it comes to alcohol to a certain extent obviously it was all safe and whatnot um but the reality is like i from a very early age alcohol was a big part of my life and i didn't realize it i think until much later and i think i um when i moved to the middle east alcohol is less in your face it's still available to you but it's not as available as it is in the us or the uk um, and in most countries really but there was still that on the weekend, you go to brunch, you go and you just get absolutely smashed, right? Like that's the mentality. It's like, okay, we might not drink during during the week, but when the weekend comes, this is the blowout time. It's free food, free alcohol for like four hours. And then you can even go to then like a an evening brunch, like an after brunch. And it's the same idea, the same concept. And the whole lifestyle was just encouraging it so much and so much. And I think at that point, a bit like Jonathan, I got to the point where I've, this if this is what's socially acceptable i don't want to be social this way like there, there's more than this like they're, they're, i don't want to be around the, these people if this is how they believe fun 
is and that is all there is like it and it really got me to review and question like friendships relationships how much time I spend with family members friends all of this kind of thing and it's a very hard thing to do I think like to be able to make those decisions so for anyone kind of listening that might have experienced like what we've experienced like how do you how do you navigate that how do you figure it out when you're going from that space of suddenly you're aware of alcohol and the impact it might be having to okay well if my life doesn't include alcohol how do I navigate my relationships absolutely such a great question and thank you so much for sharing your experiences with it because I just think like it doesn't matter who you are on this planet like you have some kind of relationship or some kind of association with alcohol and we just don't do ourselves the service enough of connecting over and really sharing about it um bringing light to it with different different kind of scenarios but you know, I think, uh, you know, there's part of the thing that you're, you're hinting at is that like, we have this, this idea in our society that alcohol is fun, right? And if you don't drink, then you're boring. Um, and I think it's this really old psyche, this, myth, this, this kind of myth that came around um, after at least prohibition, I think, in the United States, where, you know, it was a really, uh, you were really pious and religious, and people were really like against alcohol. And since then, we kind of went the other way. And it's like, no, no, don't ever, don't ever take alcohol off the table, right? Like, we're not going to do that again. And so now it's really been ingrained in us that like that there's this there's this boring version of a person that's saying, you know, alcohol is no fun. Don't do that. But really, like how I like to think about it is, uh, you know, alcohol, like you said, has this really uh, quick response on the body. And then it really crashes after that. And it goes really low, just like other drugs. And that quick you know, response is this artificial release of dopamine in the brain because cocaine will do that to you. Heroin will do that to you. And so we associate that as pleasurable. But what it's really doing is it's this, it's this, uh, it's really false. Like it's almost like as imagine if you put these brain nodes on rats and you were stimulating their brains with this electric current, like the rats aren't doing anything fun. They're not doing anything pleasurable. You're just passively stimulating them. And that's kind of what alcohol does. And that's the thing about like when you remove it for your life from your life or take a break or just experiment, you kind of have to find your own definition of fun. And that own definition of fun means you are an active participant in your fun. Like you actually go out and do things. You don't just sit on the couch and wait for a glass of wine, you know, to, to give you that fireworks going off in your brain. And I think that's like a switch in seeing it because like, I mean, look at this world. It's magical. There's so much to do. There's, there's mountains to ski. There's beaches to, you know, swim at. There's just so much to see and explore. There's no way that our universe was meant to be experienced with this numbing agent in our body to be able to have fun. Like that's just, that's ridiculous. But since it is this ingrained cultural thing, I think anyone taking a break from alcohol will have to kind of counter this, uh, their relationships, like you said, and, and what do you do with socializing and how are you able to continue either bonding with people you want in your life, or how can you even elevate yourself to hang out with people who have, who have more uh, common interests in the growth that you're looking for in your life. And I think what's really interesting is really looking at other people's psychology and how they want to change their drinking habits. So at least in the United States, we had this one study that came out that's found that around 52% of Americans actually want to drink less or not at all. So that is the majority of Americans want to drink less or not at all. Uh, and, and there's reasons for that, right? Obviously we know we don't feel good. You know, nobody feels good after drinking. It doesn't matter whether you're a light drinker or you're a heavy drinker. Nobody feels good after drinking. There has that health implications. It makes you feel sluggish. It makes you feel, it can make you feel a little, um, like you are out of alignment, out of character. You said something out of character. You just weren't yourself entirely. There's just so many reasons why we have 
definitely these negative consequences that have without alcohol. And people are starting to become conscious of those and, and actually wish that they drank less or not at all. So when you go socializing, I always tell this to my clients, when you go out and you're the only one who orders a non-alcoholic beer or a mocktail or some other nice uh, beverage that you enjoy that just doesn't have ethanol in it, and you feel like, oh my God, are people going to judge me? Am I the only one not drinking? You have to remember that half the people around me here actually wish that they weren't drinking too. They want what you are having. They want what you are doing. I mean, think of it as, as with healthy habits as well. When someone's healthy, other people want to be that healthy. They just kind of feel stuck in unhealthy habits or cycles. And so you honestly aren't really the odd one out when you go alcohol-free with your relationships. You start becoming the role model. You start being someone that inspires other people. You start being the leader. And I have to tell you, because this social convention is so strong, if I would have went to a party six years ago and I saw someone not drinking and have a good, having a good time, it would have blown my mind. I would have been like, wait, like this is allowed? You're allowed to just come here and have fun without drinking? Because I literally didn't think I had permission to do that. And I think when you start challenging this idea that you have to drink to socialize or to bond, and you really start showing a different example, it, it starts to change the worldview and the mindsets of the people around you. And some people will obviously be triggered by it, you know, like some people will be cajoling you to drink and that's because they don't want to drink alone and they have their own insecurities about their relationship with alcohol, that they need it, that they emotionally depend on it, you know, in, in that many cases. And so I think it's just this twist of really seeing like when you change your relationship with alcohol, you are really doing something that most people want to do, but maybe don't have the bravery or the uh, intuition or just that kind of personal growth ready for that stage in their life. And to really find yourself uh, proud of that choice. And from there, you know, like, obviously you can go out and hang out with your friends and order a mocktail and have this just as much fun. Like what, what does it matter? What's in your cup? Like, it's just a beverage at the end of the day, right? Like if you really truly enjoy your friends and their company, you will probably have more fun because you can have deeper conversations. You're more present. You can ask more questions. You know, even dancing alcohol-free to me is one of the wildest things because like it's the real me out there on the dance floor. And I, I can really feel that thrill, that adrenaline that comes and hits me instead of doing this fake thing with alcohol. Um, but, you know, sometimes if, if you find your social circles are getting tired or boring or it's always the bar every weekend and you're really hungry for more, uh, I think also you start attracting people who are into that same um, wavelength as you. For example, going to a bar until 2 a.m. is like not something I'm interested in anymore, right? And I'm interested instead to go to entrepreneurship conferences and wellness uh, retreats and doing things that really give me a sense of adventure and fun. And I meet people everywhere I go now who, you know, alcohol is either irrelevant in their lives because they're so growth oriented or they're non-drinkers too, you know, like you can really kind of elevate, I think, what you do in your social circle and your friends might feel the same like I said earlier. So why not invite your, your friend for coffee instead of a happy hour and just see how that, how much fun that could be or a hike or yoga class or something like that. Like you don't have to ditch your friends. I'm not saying that, but it's just this kind of really cool, um, reevaluation of what you've to bond over what you and your group bond over and finding new things to, to do and to relate to. And I know personally, when I went alcohol-free, it's kind of like I was calling it how it was. I was finally being really honest about this thing that we all just don't talk about. And my friends were really, really refreshed by my vulnerability and they became honest themselves and they started sharing about their relationships with alcohol. Some of them took breaks. Some of them went alcohol free themselves, you know? So it's just like, 
we have to like leave behind that old mentality that it's either a, a, a symbol of being boring or having a problem or, you know, all these different connotations we have with it and really just show that like there is so much happening in this space, so much people that are choosing not to drink or choosing to drink so infrequently, it barely matters and creating a really, really healthy, happy and productive lifestyle out of it. I think it's the secret sauce that successful people really have. And I mean, who doesn't want to be like, for example, Tony Robbins doesn't drink. Who doesn't want what he has, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's so true. So, so many good insights there. I love really the way the way that you think about it and the way you've framed that as well in terms of it's, it's a choice to be proud of and lead by example, essentially, and be, become that role model. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, I, I'm curious to to kind of tap into now like the, the why people drink, right? Like you said, there's emotional dependency, because that was one of the things that shifted for me. It was like suddenly when I actually questioned why am I drinking I was like well actually I don't even know why I'm drinking <laughs> right and it was like am I just doing it because like it's just habitual and the reality was that was the case and now if I do drink I will only drink something because I actually enjoy the taste and usually then it'll only be one drink because after the first drink that all the drinks take taste the same after that right like so it, it's it's very interesting when we look at the why we drink because a lot of people are doing it because they want to numb how they're feeling right or they don't even know how they're feeling so it's, like you said to give them that buzz they then drink so if anybody's listening to this and they know that that's why they're drinking what would you say to them absolutely and i think obviously we all form habits around alcohol and when you think about it like unless you're jonathan you don't just drink once or twice in your life you know here or there like most drinkers do it on repeat every single week so think about how many times that ends up stacking in your life how many times you repeat that habit it is in the thousands upon thousands of times that you've done it. And habits are very strong. You know, like you don't have to be addicted um, to something for a habit to really be ingrained in your brain. I mean, just think of brushing your teeth in the morning. It's hard to say that any one of us is addicted to brushing our teeth. And yet I can't stop doing it. You know, you can't pay me to stop doing it either. Right. Like I, I really enjoy having a clean mouth. And so there's the power of habit. But then there's also this internal mindset, the subconscious that really determines that alcohol gives me benefits. Alcohol gives me some kind of comfort or benefits or pleasure. And it can be very subconscious sometimes or very conscious. So what I often do is actually start with a client and we'll ask them, like, why do you like to drink? So just like you did for yourself, you know, and really kind of spell out the reasons and then really start looking up at those reasons and seeing, are they true? Does alcohol actually meet that need? Does it really resolve that thing that you're looking for? Does it give you that feeling you're hoping to have? And when you see it, then that way you can start to kind of debunk each and every belief you have around alcohol and form a new truth for yourself that could be a lot more empowering. So like you said, with relaxing, right? We all have busy lives. We all you know, have a thousand to do's on our list. We all get through our work days and it can be really typical like on a Friday night to just be like, oh, I can't wait to relax. I can't wait to unwind. And we associate alcohol with helping us do that. And we associate it with a treat, with being maybe pampered at the end of the day. We just associate so much with that. And so that's a belief I have in my mind. Alcohol relaxes me. Seems pretty innocuous. Seems like most people have that belief. But, you know, kind of like Jonathan was alluding to earlier, it's not true. It's not actually true. The alcohol does not relax the human brain or the human body. It numbs the brain. It puts you into like a, a almost like comatose state because it's numbing your the ability of the neurons to fire your central nervous system, your cells. Um, but it's actually not relaxing you because it's a depressant and it does numb your feelings, emotions, and then thoughts to the point where, you know, someone literally blacks out. 
um, our body has this counteractive system that can, can counteract that depressant nature of alcohol and alcohol actually induces the body to release cortisol, adrenaline, and dynorphin. And dynorphin is kind of a, I like to say endorphins, but the opposite. So they make you feel really low and depressed. And so this will release and you'll usually feel it. If you're really intuitive, you can actually feel it. Like Jonathan was mentioning, even like an hour after drinking, like there's that blow, there's that crash you feel, but most people actually feel it in the middle of the night. So most people will wake up after drinking three, 4 a.m. It's a really typical thing. And you wake up really thirsty and you might feel like, oh, what did I do? You know, and it's hard to fall back asleep. And then if you don't feel it then, then you'll definitely feel it the next day. You'll wake up with more anxiety. You'll wake up with more stress. You'll feel less kind of stamina and motivation to tackle your day. And so that can actually last those stress hormones for days, if not weeks, which is why sometimes just a big you know, wedding or drinking episode over the weekend can take days, you know, to recover from. And so with that in mind, you know, and and, and in addition to that, alcohol is a toxin and it is, you know, the same alcohol as ethanol is the same thing we have in our car fuel is the same thing we have in a paint center. It's the same thing we have in hand sanitizer. It is a toxin that our body has to detox. And that takes a huge toll on our body as well. So alcohol creates anxiety. It creates all these stress hormones in your body. It prevents restful sleep. It uh, puts a toll on your physical body to have to detoxify it. And this is all tied to anxiety on a molecular level in our cells. So like empirically, empirically, sorry, it's not possible to say alcohol relaxes you. It's the opposite. It actually stresses your body out. And the more you kind of become intuitive that, and even someone who's drinking right now can experiment with it. They can actually know, how do I feel an hour after drinking, two hours after drinking? How do I feel the next day? Because alcohol isn't just a 20 minute buzz. It's a 48 hour experience, right? So obviously with that in mind, it's not about depriving yourself. It's not about saying, Hey, you don't get to rest after a long day. You don't get to have a treat. You don't get to unwind. No, 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 no. It's about finding something that actually works right? It's about finding new healthier coping mechanisms that really work and really can relax the body and the brain. And just taking a break from alcohol will really rebalance your mind and those neurotransmitters. So those stress hormones will go down. And then some of our happy neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, and GABA will go up because those are also lowered from drinking. And what many people find is that they have a lot more emotional resiliency to handle stress. The things that were like these gargantuan mountains start to be like, you know, molehills. It's just not as stressful, but they also start practicing different methods to unwind and to decompress. And it can be really unique for the person, but, you know, some ideas include, uh, you know, watching the sunset. One of my favorites, like what a beautiful time to just have a ritual to see mother nature unfolding between my eyes, to see something that millions and millions of humans have seen over millions of years. I just love that connection with nature taking a walk, doing some yin yoga, maybe having a sauna or taking a bath, maybe exercising. And one of the easiest things that I can recommend to people is it's okay to decompress over a drink, just change the drink. You know, there are right now in the U S and, you know, in Australia, the UK and in Europe, hundreds, if not thousands of new beverage companies that are alternate beverages, um, whether it's alcohol-free beer, wine, other like new concoctions, soft cocktails, or just different health elixirs with reishi mushrooms and adaptogens and nootropics and just all this different fun stuff that's really landing on the market. I mean, you could go to a health food store and probably buy like 50 different drinks that have no alcohol in them. 
and explore and experiment and find one that you love and that you really enjoy drinking that just gives you the same feeling of a treat at the end of the day, but doesn't have any of those negative side effects in it. You know, replacing the habit can be one of the quickest, easiest things that you can do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's so interesting because I've seen recently there are a lot of pop-up bars now that are either low alcohol or zero alcohol. So it's like a bar experience. So you can still go in as if you're going to a pub or to a bar um, and you still get that vibe, but actually you just don't get all the drunkenness that yeah, goes with sure. it. And I think that's huge. And I think like the, the generations now that are, are kind of coming through and I think probably our age group are, are already leaning into that. The challenge that I see though is there's there's two right there's one there'll be people listening to this that go just change the habit and change the drink yeah but they still won't do it right they can they hear it they know but they still won't do it so I'm curious to hear, hear your thoughts on that and secondly it's it's that I think it's the generational split right because I know like we've said like our families if we said to them hey like let, let's go out for dinner and we take into like a a, a alcohol-free restaurant or bar they'll be like what are we doing here let, let, let's go kind of thing like it, it just wouldn't just wouldn't gel right so I'm again curious to know kind of what your thoughts are from kind of big picture perspective how do you see like society shifting um, and these behaviors actually start to be implemented Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's like really important to like notice that it's not about like this prohibitionist abolitionist kind of standpoint, like everyone gets to choose what they do. And I, I honestly find that the people who um, this piques their interest and they're leaning into this, they're leaning into this because they're introspective and they're starting to ask questions about themselves and what makes them happy. And I think that is one of the healthiest habits you can have, you know, shoving things under a rug and never thinking about your habits or your lifestyle will one day probably bite you in the ass, right? And so just allowing yourself to be introspective can be a really great place to start. You, I, I don't push like black and whites. I don't think that there is like this, you know, oh, everyone has to quit drinking or anything like that. It's really like, let's get aware and curious. And what really happened for me is I only knew what it felt like to be a drinker as an adult. You know, I didn't have any other uh, thing to compare it to. And when I finally did that experiment in my life, I really liked the other version, right? I really enjoyed that lifestyle. And because of so much that happens, like the, the brain chemicals like rebounds, you know, my company and my book is called Euphoric for a reason. It's because you feel euphoric when you go alcohol free. It actually changes your brain. It allows more states of wonder and these childlike feelings of appreciation and gratitude to really flood you. And if until you try it, you'll just never know like how it could feel. And so I think that's what can be really exciting about it is just like, just try it and, and see what it feels like. Um, but obviously, you know, it, it might not be for everyone. And I think that's why. There are these uh, like forward front runners of changes in our society. And you just look at cigarette smoking, for example, like cigarette smoking used to be so dominant. Most people, most adults did it. You smoked on planes. It was so normal. And then we had all those health studies and all those changes in our policies. And then a ton of people stopped smoking. You know, today I live in California. I don't know anyone who smokes cigarettes anymore. Right. Like, I just don't. Obviously, I know I see people still do it out in out there, especially like in Europe, but I don't know personally anyone who still smokes. I smoked cigarettes when I was younger. A lot of people, most people I know did, and we all kind of stopped. Does that mean cigarette smoking is completely like abolished? No, there's those like last stragglers that definitely still smoke. And it's kind of like the, the end of the bell curve, I would say. But I think alcohol is having that kind of cigarette moment where we're being presented with all this different uh, evidence and really health studies to show like there's no safe amount of alcohol to drink. It only increases your cancer and heart disease risk. Um, it lowers your life expectancy. And like, while that stuff can be scary, 
like so many changes can happen within just a few weeks off alcohol that it's really, really heartening to be like, well, what if my cholesterol did drop by 20 points? What if I lost my uh, 10 points off my blood pressure? What if I lost 20 pounds? What if I, uh, you know, ran my best race because of this change? Like so many different things you can position it like that. Um, but really showing that like there is a change in our culture happening. They actually studied that generation Z is the lowest, has the lowest level of drinking patterns, right? So the young generation is changing things up. And I think our generation is leaning into it as well because like this pervasive idea that to have a social life means you get a side of hangovers. It's just crazy to me, you know, like we decided that was normal a long time ago. And like, it really just seems crazy to me as we advance as a society in our technology, in our health and our consciousness, we're not going to continue drinking this crude chemical that literally is a toxin and a poison for our body. They're going to invent something new, you know, if you really think about it. So I really see alcohol kind of going the way of cigarettes and, you know, it, it might not be for everyone, but I think you could really learn a lot about yourself by taking a break. And obviously I like to recommend longer breaks, like 30 days or 60 days or hundred days to really get the benefits. But sometimes something can be really beautiful about just taking one Friday that you usually drink and take it off and see how you feel. And what, you know, are you bored? Are you restless? Like what feelings come up? Because all those feelings are there in your life, no matter what, right? And to really process your emotions and, and to heal them will give you the tools you need to make shifts in your life. Personally, I was bored and restless. And instead of you know, looking forward to every weekend when the only highlight was a bottle of wine, I had to actually ask myself deeper questions. Why am I so bored with my life? Why am I so restless with my life? Oh, it's because I'm not doing anything exciting. It's because I'm not living out the passions and the dreams that I had when I was a kid. I kind of gave up on all that stuff. It's because alcohol literally is the only highlight of my life. And then I made those shifts and I started doing new things, new things outside my comfort zone you know, and I personally did end up starting a business, launching a podcast, running a half marathon, writing a book. And all of those things give me so much more fulfillment than a glass of wine at the end of the day. And I think that's the gift that you get in really reevaluating the role of alcohol in your life is it, it's not about what you take away. It's like the, the world of passions and new ideas and a sense of new creativity and even a sense of new purpose that comes flooding to you. And I'm not like, an, I'm not the only one. I think it's really typical when you remove alcohol, all of a sudden people are just like doing crazy new things with their life, really inspiring things. They're pushing their limits of what they thought was possible. Some people, you know, completely change jobs as well, change their careers, uh, make really drastic health changes, improve their relationships, improve their parenting. Just so many incredible benefits happen. Um, and I, I, I think that's just a gift that, that I would love to, for more people to experience. But I think it comes from a deep, desire to, uh, to experience it yourself. And that can take, you know, that can happen on multiple stages of your journey of awareness, if that makes sense. Because personally, like I shared with you, it took me years to get to the point where I could take a break from alcohol, even though I was thinking about it and having all this stress and internal turmoil over it for so many years. Um, but that was really preparing me, I think, to kind of let go of all those limiting beliefs that alcohol is a necessary requisite for a fun and fulfilling life and find that the total opposite is true. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And I, I it's just want to touch on what you said there. It's so important to start, I think, to get that level of awareness of what's happening, why you are drinking, not you're drinking and what kind of, like you said, if 
why why do I feel restless and bored when I'm not drinking? It's it's that level of awareness because most people just jump into like again they they, they grow up with that conditioning that alcohol is acceptable. It's like it's something you always do and you don't question it. Um, and when you start to become aware of it and start to become aware of actually, like, why am I drinking? Um, when actually I don't feel like drinking, I'm going to stop drinking, but now I feel bored and restless. So like, what's going on? It's like, and it, alcohol for a lot of people just fulfills a lot of needs that they can't, they're not getting anywhere else because they're not, like you said, they're not doing anything else. They, maybe they've got no purpose. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what they want to do in life. So they stick to what, what, what society tells them to do. And that's just, oh, I'm bored. What should we do? Let's go out and drink. And bringing that level of awareness back in and thinking, actually, I want to do more. I want to, I want to, I don't just want to drink. I don't want to feel like this. So the question is like, what can I do instead? What can I do that's going to make me feel great? But a lot of people, I think it takes them a while to get to that moment of realization because taking it back to kind of that, that, that level of like the nervous system, that stress response is so many people are already in a state of stress. And they drink because of that. And that adds even more stress into the system. But the, the, and, the, thing, the thing with that, though, as well, and I can totally yeah. get away, it's because it's that sense of escapism. Yeah. Just for that you're moment. Trying, you're trying to escape from life. You don't feel stressed for that moment. You don't. And that's the thing, right? So it becomes very easy to then bury it, yeah. right? And bury the feelings and everything that comes with it. So I can see, like, both ends of the spectrum. And, and, it's, and it depends where the person is on their journey. Yeah, definitely. Like yeah, and that's the thing. It gives you that, that outside feeling of burying it and feeling relaxed but internally you'll know like you are like your your systems are stressed even though from the outside you're you're, you're numbing it so you don't feel it mm. but it's the stress is still there and then when you finally kind of come out the other end you still got all those problems you're facing and then it go you've got that vicious circle that goes around and i do think that kind of awareness is that first step to realizing okay i don't want to feel like this anymore i don't want to drink every time i go and have a meal i don't want to have a drink every time I come home from work um and I think it's it's just it's just so important for people to bring bring that level of awareness back to themselves but then start to figure out of what they actually want instead like like you say is well what do they want or what what do I want for my life what do I want for the people around me um and you I know you spoke about that you touched on that of like when you go alcohol free, how people feel and, and these, all these amazing things that, that, that they start to do and they start to start to want to do, where it's becoming a better parent, where it's becoming a better person, where it's becoming more creative. But what I want to kind of take this conversation is into a bigger scale now is how do you think that going alcohol free? So if we went, if, if the whole world went alcohol free, by tomorrow, what impact do you think that would have on on a bigger scale? Like we, we talked about on the individual scale, but how would they, what impact do you think that would have if everyone just went alcohol free tomorrow? Yeah, that's a funny question. I think that's the first time I've ever been asked that. Um, but let me put my my hypothetical hat on. You know, I think for one, we'd live longer and richer lives. I think we'd be much healthier, have much less uh, chronic disease in our society. And the thing is, is that like a lot of studies that came out in the 80s and 90s, it was really hard to parse out like whether alcohol was contributing to a certain level of chronic disease in someone. And the last like 10 years, we've really gotten some incredible studies to be able to look at almost 195 different countries, all these different populations, follow them for so many different years and really be able to show alcohol is actually implicated in way more chronic diseases than we thought. It's, it's implicated in cancer heart disease, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, like all the just different functions of our body, you know? And, um, 
it's so interesting because we think that it's only heavy risky drinking that does that. Well, guess what? According to the CDC in America, two drinks is heavy risky drinking for a woman. And you're not supposed to have more than two drinks a week for a woman uh, or any more than that would actually increase your risk of breast cancer by 20%. So like, that's crazy. Most drinkers routine ones have more than two drinks a week, right? Like that's, that's a low amount. That's really low. So I think our health obviously and longevity would improve. But what I'm really excited about when you asked that question was our consciousness. You know, I think, like you said, we, we numb our uncomfortable emotions. We don't work through them. We distract ourselves from them and then we don't learn from them. So we don't learn to recognize what the deeper discontent is within our lives. And we don't make changes around it. So we're frazzled, we're stressed, we're running from one thing to another. We might be people pleasing. We might be in a career just because it makes our parents proud or has a good title. We don't really know what we want. And I think removing this one thing would really elevate the state of consciousness in our world because it really does force you to get to know yourself because you are sitting with all those emotions and you're all sitting with that time, but you're also sitting with all these positive benefits that come out of it, like more confidence, more self-esteem, more self-love for yourself. So that time and that uh, reflectiveness actually gets put to such a good use because you're you're on fire to start really being, you know, this better version of you that's also making impact in the world. So I think our state of consciousness would raise. I think we'd be a lot more mindful and connected as a society. I actually think that we would have better relationships. Like when you're talking with someone, when people are drinking, like it's just repetitive conversation. It's not very deep. And if it is deep, it's like that false sense of deepness. It's like fake vulnerability when you actually wake up saying like, oh my gosh, what did I share with that person? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's artificial. It's like an artificial bond. You didn't really develop over time the real way. So I think our relationships would really improve. I think that we would um, really have that higher state of consciousness and really more people would decide, I think, to live their lives on their terms um, instead of, you know, doing all the things that make us unhappy in the first place to feel like we need the alcohol to, to de-stress and to debunk from that. And, you know, I think like when it comes to human needs, you know, I think alcohol comes in very early in our lives to be this point of rebellion or be this sign of independence or wanting to be an adult. And I think that kind of wildness, that adventure, that uncertainty, that thrill, it's a really, really big human need. And sometimes when you do all the things right, you know, you're eating well, you're working out, you're not drinking, you're working on your business or your, your goal, your dreams, it can feel, uh, like too much certainty, too much of, uh, of, of having everything go right. So I also think we would discover new ways to unleash our wildness. And I think those things are kind of can be popular in more esoteric or spiritual circles, but there's very fascinating things that you could do to really feel like a rebel, feel like a wild person, have more adventure in your life. You know, whether it's dancing naked somewhere or, you know, all these different things that you could do. I think that would also, um, we would redefine what it means to be a rebel and wild because if you think that like being a drinker is somehow complex or makes you one of the bad ones, like in a good way, you know, or it makes you feel like a rebel, like, come on, everyone drinks, your aunt drinks, the guy down the street drinks, like it really doesn't make anyone unique these days. <laughs> I love that answer so, so much. Now, I, I want to kind of just pick your brains here on how important is the, the coaching or the supporting element of somebody when they're giving up alcohol? Because I know you've got the book um, that's launching and I know obviously you, you actively coach as well, help people kind of through um, their, their alcohol journey, let's say. And because 
there will be a lot of people listening and I certainly I think reflecting back on my journey with it now just as you're speaking I think it's no coincidence that when I stopped drinking I suddenly started to have to deal with the emotions that were showing up and for me I won't get into the whole story now but it led to a lot of spiraling a lot of me having to really learn and get to know myself and emotional awareness like I said I started to drink very young right so for me like it, it was it would have been very important for me to I think to have some support in doing that but I didn't consciously choose not to drink right I just moved to a country where it just wasn't so so in my face so I so I just couldn't it kind of fell out of my lifestyle <laughs> all right so I kind of it happened unconsciously but what would you say to somebody who maybe is listening to this that realizes that they do drink because they don't want to face emotions they don't want to face past traumas and things like that how important is that coaching and support element? Yeah, I think it's it's very important, whether it's like an actual coach you're working with or um, some kind of formal program or course that you could be going through with some you know support baked into it, because it's really uh, it's bigger than just changing a habit like uh, like that's already tough in itself. Right. Our habits are so ingrained. It's really about changing the mindset. And it's this, this mindset that has been cultivated for decades, you know, even before someone is a drinker, they see drinking around them since we are conscious as little kids. And we get this consciousness, this, this, this belief that alcohol brings us these benefits, this comfort, this pleasure, and, or we think it's a status symbol, you know, like alcohol doesn't just signify relaxation or, you know, maybe wildness or rebelliousness. Think of how often it's used in a movie or in a TV show to signify glamour. Or sophistication, for example. And so I always like to tell my clients, you're not looking for a drink. You're looking for the feeling you believe a drink will give you, right? And yes, obviously for some people, it's just to turn off, to shut off, to just like stop having to think, to not have to deal with those things. But they never, like, you know, Jonathan was saying, they never really go away. And when you come back, when you come to, it's now all been compounded because now you also don't feel your best, you know? And the only way I think we ever can truly become happier is not a a matter of not experiencing our negative emotions. It's either rather really feeling them and processing them. And while that can feel really intimidating when you're not used to it, uh, it starts becoming something like a, a really mindful practice that you can lean into. You know, it's like we are literally told as little kids, don't cry, you know, like don't get too excited, get over it. We are told to bottle in our emotions and then we're not ever told healthy coping mechanisms or skills, you know, in our society. And so what ends up happening is like, there's this really cool analogy from uh, the late Debbie Ford, where it's like, your emotions are these beach balls and you are treading water in an ocean and you're trying to keep these beach balls submerged under the water and you're treading and the waves and the beach balls. And it's really tiring. And you might have the energy to do it in your twenties and even in your thirties, maybe even in your forties but eventually you will burn out and tire from pushing those beach balls down. And the only way to get through it is to actually just let them come up, process them, process them, you know, with a professional or through some program so that you're actually getting the deeper messages behind your emotions of what, you know, you need to heal or what you need to resolve or what you need to do differently or shift in your life. And then what happens is this incredible freedom because, it's not like you necessarily always overcome it, but like, you know, that you are capable of um, mothering yourself, of being there for yourself, right? It's this really deep sense of love. You almost cultivate with your inner child. Like I am here for you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to numb this out. I'm here. We're going to go through this together. And you can really develop a new sense of self-love by, by sitting through those emotions. 
and or discover what in your life is out of alignment, you know, because I don't believe we're supposed to feel frustrated every single day, you know, like if that is the case and someone's numbing that, allowing that frustration to come up and discover where in my life am I feeling frustrated? What is the, where does it, what's the source? And is that, why do I have that in my life? You know, can I, can I put up a boundary? Can I delegate? Can I have a conversation? Can I make a change? Is this career the, really the career I want for myself? You know, and I think even healing past traumas, which is obviously much deeper and, you know, very, very complex. There's so much discovery that can happen. I think when you're leaning in to it, instead of ignoring it, because sometimes our greatest challenges in life, our greatest pains are also the source of our greatest growth. And it's like, you can't numb the bad without numbing the good as well, you know, and, you know, really being okay with being a human with the full breadth of human emotions. Um, it's, it's just such an enriching process, I think, for your life. It's not easy. It's for sure not easy. You know, like we all deal with uh, so many emotions, fear, doubt, insecurity, uh, you know, sadness, frustration, loss, grief. Um, and yet sometimes when even the hardest emotions I've had since I've ditched alcohol, when I feel even the worst ones like grief, I like have this fondness for that time because I was actually fully present with that emotion. It changes the game completely when you start to be okay with all your emotions, right? It's, you don't have to enjoy them, but like the, the, how it feels, but you can learn to, you can learn to, to see what that's bringing for you because that's a gift in itself. So hundred percent, I love the answer to that question. So, so tell us a little bit more about your book that you've got coming out. Yeah, thank you. So the book's called Euphoric Ditch Alcohol, Gain a Happier, More Confident You. It's a really cool, colorful cover. And, uh, you know, I really wrote this book because um, when I was looking for some more resources or for some just guidance on changing my relationship with alcohol, at the time, all I could find was books about, you know, alcoholism, rock bottom, people who just destroyed their lives. And they, they would these drinking stories where basically 99% of the book was about their crazy drinking story. And then at the end of the book, they, you know, they got sober. And I just, I, I wanted a book that was not written, you know, for like the, the, the most severe problem drinker on the spectrum, but really looking at the consumption and, and habit levels of all people on this planet, really for someone in the middle, someone that identifies as that social casual drinker and almost feels like looking into their relationship with alcohol is taboo and not really that acceptable because they don't have a problem or they don't want to be labeled with a problem. And so it's really for those very conscious, health conscious, mindful, intuitive people who are starting to ask themselves, is this alcohol habit serving me? Is it making me happy? And so the first part of the book is really a deep dive into why taking a break from alcohol is so amazing. So I go over all of the health benefits, lots of different interesting research and studies in there. Uh, I go over the mindset benefits, how it really increases your sense of self-love and redevelops positive beliefs about yourself, your self-worth, your self-esteem. And then also, you know, about strengthening the most profound things in your life, like your connection, your sense of presence, your sense of gratitude, and kind of starting to discover what your deeper purpose is on this planet as well. And then I make this like life so rife with possibility, it's just so juicy that someone's like, all right, let's do it. Let's try this. So the last part of the book is actually an eight-week plan to help someone guide them through a break from alcohol. And every week they'll have like a really good lesson and, and reflections on how to make sense of their relationship with it, how to make some of those mindset changes. Because, you know, for example, when I stopped believing that alcohol relaxed me, I actually chipped away at the desire. 
And then I, I looked at other reasons why I like to drink. So I like to drink back in the day because it helped me socialize. But what I really didn't recognize, it was actually made me more insecure over time because I was constantly outsourcing my sociability to a beverage and never developing that skill within myself. And so it was the complete opposite. Alcohol didn't make me more confident and made me insecure. It was actually tied to some of the most embarrassing moments of my life, right? And so that's another thing I just chipped away at. And so if I do that for all the reasons why I like to drink, eventually I'll be left without the desire. And it will just, it's not about not being able to drink or I can't drink or trying to like moderate it, but just like, you know, it's really not, it's really not on my radar anymore. It's not really a big thing in my life. That's why I use the word, you know, make alcohol insignificant where it's just not really a thought. Um, And as people go through this eight week plan, it's not just about the beverage because what I really care about is what you're making space for. It's the deeper passions. It's those dreams that maybe you had long, long put on the back burner of, you know, pipe dreams, just this isn't reality for me. And it starts to really prompt someone, you know, like if you could create your ideal vision, your ideal lifestyle, what would that look like? And starting to give them the kind of framework for really discovering what that is. And that's kind of where I love working with my clients is it's not just about changing their relationship with alcohol. It's often that next big chapter that comes for them because just so many possibilities open up. And so you can find this book right now at euphoricbook.com. It's available for pre-order and it's going to be available on bookshelves January 4th. But when you pre-order the book, you'll also get some really cool bonuses that come with it. So um, like I said, change the drink. I'm offering my recipe ebook for mocktails, some some of my favorite mocktail recipes. I'm also offering um, a 50 things to do instead of drinking checklist because boredom, restlessness, those are big ones that first come up as well as a guide on how to socialize confidently without a drink so that you can really start developing that skill and that uh, pride within yourself to feel just really confident about that choice. So all those things are goodies are available for you when you pre-order the book. And then uh, one more special gift just for your audience is a 31 day guide to actually walk someone through. And, you know, dry January is like around the corner. It's one of the best times of years to do this because it's just a lot of people are doing it. You can start Googling the hashtag dry January and being part of a big community that, you know, does this every year. Um, and your audience can get this free guide to uh, have help them have their best month yet with uh, little tips and guidance throughout every single day of the month. And you can get that at euphoricbook.com slash gift. Awesome. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. Yeah. And we're going to be pre-ordering so many yeah. copies of that for people in yeah. our lives. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. See, if we plant that seed, I'll change for them. Awesome. Oh, yeah, we'll put the link, obviously, to that in the show notes. So anyone listening, if you want to obviously pre-order that book, get those amazing gifts, just look at the show notes, get on that link, and get it done. All right order it before before the end of the year get that pre-order so um obviously thank you for that amazing gift as well i'm sure everyone's gonna well anyone listening is gonna benefit from that massively um so before we start to wrap things up and finish up is there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation there's already so much that you that you've spoken about that you've given amazing bits of wisdom there but is there anything else you feel that our listeners need to know Yeah, I just have one more thought. And I I share so much about leaning into curiosity and awareness and just experimenting, right? Like when I took a break, it was just an experiment. It was just one month. I wasn't committing to forever because a lot of times we think of these big changes we want to make in our lives. Like I want to cut out sugar or I want to go plant-based or, you know, all these things. I want to work out every day. And we think we have to be perfect on day one and then do it like that perfectly for the rest of our lives. And that's so intimidating, right? And obviously we, we keep pushing the date back and say, okay, I'll do that another week or another week because we make these drastic, like, 
I have to quit drinking, you know, kind of statements, which can actually be really unhelpful and actually what keeps a lot of people stuck. So I like to always say uh, when it comes to alcohol, it's kind of like marriage. So if just tomorrow I said, hey, I'd love for you to meet this guy and marry him and you're single, you would be kind of like, that's crazy. I haven't even met him. Of course, I'm not going to marry him. Like I haven't, you know, you're going to get cold feet. It's not going to work out because it's, that's too much of a jump on the first very step, but I'm inviting you just to go on this first date, you know, like, Hey, there's this really cool guy. I think you guys would really hit it off. Would you like to go on a date with him? Wow. Isn't that a lot easier? You know, like, let's just go on a first date. And the thing is, if you like that first date, you can go on another date. And if you like that date, you can go on another date. And then even something I can see happening with some of my clients is we'll get to a point where maybe they're six months alcohol free. They still can't see themselves getting married and going forever. So they're not sure what to do, you know? And then think about if you're in a really great relationship for six months, just because you're not ready to get married doesn't mean you'd call off the relationship, right? You'd continue dating that person and really seeing where this can go. So I think treat this as the same way. Like just go on the first date. You have nothing to lose. Nobody's asking you to get married and it really could unlock so many cool things in your life. Nice. I love that analogy. I really love that. Like when you mentioned something earlier and I was thinking that like, because a lot of people think that, well, it is scary. So it's a defining moment when you make a choice like that. So if you, we do adopt this mentality of let's just become the crazy scientist in our own life and experiment um, and just see what happens. I think if we could do that with most things in life, I think we'd probably be a lot happier and start to actually try more new things. So thank you so much for sharing that. Love that. Yeah, of course. Awesome. So Tell us, uh, Caroline, where can people find you? Anyone listening, where can they find you? Awesome. So uh, other than the book website, you can also find me at euphoricaf.com. And I have uh, guided courses there with live support. I do offer coaching. I also have a podcast. And, you know, just immersing yourself in more knowledge can often be the easiest place to start. You know, even before you're ready for a break from alcohol, just read the book, you know, listen to some episodes, uh, kind of get this new worldview into your into your mind. because. For me, I actually read an article before I did Dry January from a health magazine, and it was about a woman who uh, considered herself a moderate drinker, but she took a break from alcohol and loved it so much she didn't go back. It was the first time I had ever heard anything remotely relatable to me like that around alcohol, and something clicked in me. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's going to be me. Like I had to see that example first before I was ready to do it. And so I think just allowing the information to come into your mind is a really great start. So euphoricaf.com, you know, if you want to work together or if you want to take one of my courses, that's where you can find everything. And I'm also at Instagram on euphoric.af. Amazing. Brilliant. Thank you so much again for joining us today. I've loved the conversation. Um, it's just really making me actually go <laughs> internally now and reflect some more. So I'll be, I'll be journaling, I think, a bit later today on this as well. Uh, but thank you so, so much. Um, yeah, if anybody listening, this is this is this is your lady. Go go find Carolina. Go listen to her. Download everything she's got to offer. Because um, I believe it definitely can be be life changing. Well, thank you so much. You guys are incredible hosts, and I'm so grateful for all the consciousness that you're bringing into the world as well. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Then share it with a friend who you think might benefit. Spread the word. That's how we're going to impact the world by helping each other. We appreciate you so much. And as always, unconditional love and wellness to you.